Where in hell can you go? Far from the things that you know Far from the sprawl of concrete That keeps crawling its way Keep your heart off your sleeve Guppy Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi Written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher. Episode 9 of Dolphins and Seahorses. Today I've had my first sight of the lodge for several weeks and progress has been good since last I was here. Excellent, in fact. We now have walls on the first floor and most of a roof. It's still a shell for the most part. Painting has not yet begun and the floors aren't tiled, but we now have mains electricity and a water pump which pumps water from our well into the plumbing system. We don't yet have a functioning kitchen, so we'll be cooking outside on a portable single-ring cooker and cooking everything in a wok. But we have our first taps and even showers and two functioning bedrooms, complete with air conditioning. We need two bedrooms, and I sent instructions ahead to Oni because I have come with our friends, Tim and Julie, who we met some years ago in the Cayman Isles when I was doing my diving qualifications, and with whom we've been great friends ever since. Tim and Julie live on a bus out in the wild somewhere near Peterborough, and they work in ceramics, specialising in raku pottery which, as I understand it, is a certain way of glazing and firing the clay. But anyway, they make superb and beautifully coloured pots, and they were as keen to see the lodge as we were to invite them over. Paula will be joining us in about six weeks. She only gets so much annual leave, and it's better now that I'm here as overseer as much as my work will allow. It's late November, coming into the quiet winter months for my work when nobody in England is thinking much about their gardens and Christmas is coming, so I'm able to be away for a longer period. And in the absence of Paula, I'm glad to have Tim and Julie with me. Progress has indeed been good, but a couple of things aren't quite right with the building. Mr. Yan has done his best to interpret architectural drawings, which he has never worked from before, but he's made a couple of mistakes. In two of the upstairs bedrooms, he's put windows instead of doors at the back of the building, so there's no actual way to get from the bedrooms out onto the rear terrace. So these will have to be replaced. I point this out to Mr. Yan, who agrees, of course, to do the work, but says that we will have to change the positions of those doors. I point this out to Mr. Yan, who agrees, of course, to do the work, but says that we will have to change the positions of the doors. Martin has positioned the back doors directly opposite the front doors into the bedrooms, which is all well and good, but this is never done in this part of Indonesia, as bad spirits 
and presumably therefore good spirits can get trapped in the room. So we must offset the doors, the better for said spirits to find their way out. Not that, in my opinion, they've any business being in there in the first place. Plus, in any case, we have a compromise, and it's all smiles between us as usual. The second and more permanent problem is that Martin has designed the height of the ceilings at 2.4 meters between ground floor and first floor, which is the correct architectural height. Mr. Yan has ignored this completely and increased the height to 3.3 meters, dropping the ceiling with timber framed plywood to 2.7 meters. So the ceilings are high, which is fine but there is too much height now for the stairs to fit between the ground and first floors, so the step rises are too high. To an extent, he has been able to compensate for this by bringing the steps round the corner a bit, but climbing the internal staircase is rather akin to climbing the Matterhorn. There is nothing to be done about this. Mr. Yan looks suitably embarrassed. We have a steep staircase and will have to live with it. We have an external spiral staircase which has been made to work fine. And as with many things about our dealings in Indonesia, one must take the pragmatic and philosophical view that there are worse troubles at sea, which there are, of course. On the administrative side, Arni has begun the setting up of Bohowo tourism. At least Jakarta is done, so from now on we should be able to deal with the local immigration, fiscal and registration offices. I see less of Oni these days. He knows nothing of building, we don't need him as a conduit for making payments whilst I'm here, and my Indonesian, whilst being by no means good, is nowadays adequate for the purpose, given some patience and assistance from those to whom I speak. To be honest, I'm increasingly less convinced of Oni's personality and reliability, and wonder for how long our working relationship will be viable, but we will see. For now, it's a fine thing to sleep at the lodge for the first time, albeit without my beloved, and to wake up each morning to the sights and sounds of an Indonesian building site, which feels like progress, and it feels good. something new and I know you felt it too when we fell into the passion of a kiss around the world we've shared these roads together 
Every journey is grand when you're holding my hand. Do friends fall in love like this? A love that once was merely warm now blazes with an ardent desire. A touch that once was just a touch burns hotter than a five-alarm fire. Oh, say you're mine For all our days to follow What was innocent before Has become a grand amour Two friends fell in love like this A look that once was merely warm Now blazes with an ardent desire A touch that once was just a touch Burns hotter than a five-alarm fire Oh, say of mine For all our days to follow As friends we lived before And we'll live evermore Together Two friends in love. Finally, I'm on the long haul flight to Singapore and from thence to Samratulangi Airport, Manado. I've been shopping my brains out with Carol and I'm travelling with 40 kilos of luggage which is mostly sheets, towels, knives and forks, candles, plastic plates and cups and a few clothes for myself. I've taken advantage of an allowance by the airline to travel with dive gear. I don't have any dive gear but I have a dive bag and nobody checks the contents so 40 kilos it is. This is the longest that Phil and I have been apart since we were teenagers. And it's been a long six weeks. But he'll be there to meet me from the airport. And then a 45-minute drive away is the lodge, which I have yet to see, except in occasional photographs which Phil has brought home from previous trips. The first time, the lodge, and the new lives which we are making will seem like a reality. And my miles up in the sky can't go quickly enough. Today I will pick Paula up from the airport, and these have been an interesting few weeks. Tim and Julie had bought with them some beautiful ceramic dolphins and seahorses, which they have made for us as mosaics, and they have been putting them together on various walls. The dolphins are about five feet long, and the seahorse is about three feet tall. They look fantastic in situ. The self-catering's been going okay, although we've had some help with this. Aras's wife, Sulche, has clearly decided that the silly English people can't possibly look after themselves and has bought us delicious Indonesian food on a regular basis, and thus we have survived. We are, all of us, habitual vegetarians, but have to make concessions in this regard. Meat is a luxury here and is certainly not eaten every day. This, however, is a fishing village, and fish is eaten most days, and to serve guests a meal without fish 
is not the done thing. And for anyone to choose not to eat meat in any form is something incomprehensible. So we gratefully accept whatever is provided and allow our principles some leeway. The electricity supply isn't entirely reliable, but we've managed. If there's no power, then there's no running water. But it's the rainy season here, and there's a certain place where rainwater rushes in a torrent from a roof gully. Stand under this in your swimming trunks or swimsuit with a bar of soap, and you're sorted. Relations with the village folk continue to be good, and the village kids are all over us. They've never seen a tap before, and one of their greatest pleasures is turning our one outside tap on and off to see if the magic's still working. Otherwise, I've been diving a lot with Tim and Julie, and further establishing relations with the Dutch lady who runs the local dive centre, which is part of the hostel, and she's agreed to send guests to the lodge once we're open for business. One thing in particular I've learned on this trip is that there's a village house opposite the entrance to the lodge, which has been standing empty since we started coming here, and I asked why this was. Apparently the house belonged to a certain Mr. Nino, who was the only person who raised objection to our building the lodge, and as a consequence, he was run out of the village, despite being one of several brothers living here testament indeed to the welcome that we have otherwise received from people here who are taking us into their hearts as we are taking them into ours. Long warm evenings are spent sitting on makeshift benches under our huge mango tree, playing guitars and laughing at and with each other and at ourselves. I laugh a lot here, which I suppose can only be a good thing, and there is an openness and innocence about these people which is missing in the West, and it's an endearing quality. The longer I'm here, the more this feels like home. Anyway, to the airport, where Paula will be landing soon, and my life and world will be complete once more, and whatever sense can be made of any of this, will start making sense again. Find out what further adventures are in store for Phil and Paula as they travel from Colchester to Sulawesi in the next episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience.